When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. Welcome to the podcast. What have you been up to? What have I been up to? I mean, I, I know what I've been up to. <laughs> what have I been up to? I've been doing a lot of writing ahead of time because we got our friend from Australia coming in and then I'm going to Europe. Mm-hmm. So I got a bunch of scripts in the hopper. I'm going to just record them all before Benji gets here, hopefully. Got it. Doing scripts, Johnny Depp, Amber Heard. Yeah, yeah. That's all I got. <laughs> no, I watched, I just watched, unfortunately, they stole my thunder because I... But- Literally they, diagnosed her with BPD right before the psychologist say, came. They validated on. you. <laughs> they they stole your thunder, but they validated your yeah. diagnosis. I wasn't. I was going to make a video that said I can't diagnose her with BPD because that's not something that you can ever do from a distance, and I'm not a licensed whatever. But she shows these symptoms, and these are symptoms that you can look for that are strong signs. And Five then, signs of BPD. Then a woman who spent twelve plus hours with her gave her multiple diagnostic tests. Uh, you know, talk to people in her life is a forensic psychologist with oodles and oodles and she'll be crossed a cross examination that hasn't happened yet. I want to see it, but comes on. And for those of you who don't know, uh, diagnoses are with borderline personality disorder and histrionic personality disorder. Broadly speaking, uh, in the DSM, which we can all talk about later, because I think it's interesting how she literally describes the DSM as a Bible, which I go, that's such a problem Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to think that this this book is a Bible. I actually think there's huge, huge fundamental meta flaws in the way that we think about these types of personality disorders. But holding that aside for a second, BPD is a type of personality that is very unstable, terror of abandonment, which leads to wild fluctuations in moods. Um, And she basically goes and describes all the things that Johnny Depp alleges, which is violence, fear of abandonment then very close to you manipulative behavior which leads into the histrionic personality which is all about being the center of attention doing it at whatever is required to do it sort of hints at why someone would make this stuff up in Mm. the first place because it's like why why lie yeah uh well if you're the type of person who values attention as the highest currency uh then that begins to make more sense and so it was just very interesting she came in after 10 minutes of credentials, which I was like, okay, we get it. <laughs> uh, said that she sat down, tested her for all these things, and that in these, a couple of interesting things, in these exams, which I want to take, the MMPI and a number of other ones, it's a series of like true-false questions where you describe yourself. Now, of course you can lie. Right, yeah. But the test is designed, and I want to dig into this, so that it's supposed to be able to catch lies. So that things that people think you're supposed to say it has, like, if you answer a bunch of questions true, it's like, ah, oh, this is the type of person who would be lying about having XYZ disorder, saying what they think they're supposed to say, 
based on popular media. Yeah, because that's always been our critique of yeah. personality mm-hmm. tests. Mm-hmm. This just tells you what you think about yourself. Yes. And but this it, is designed with that in mind. Yes. And interestingly, she says the, the easiest one to fake is PTSD because PTSD has the most depictions in popular media. So people are ready to like, they know that they're supposed to be afraid of things. They've seen war movies. And so it's easier for them, thank you, to understand what would be expected and required of them if they had PTSD versus borderline or histrionic. They might have some idea, but not know people with that diagnosis and not know ways in which they're tipping their hand. Until this case in your video, at which point <laughs> the test will be ruined. And until which we will tip everything. But I really, I want to take this test, not just to see what I score, but to, to, see the test. to understand how they do it. Because the other thing is that it, it definitely occurs to me as I'm watching this that a lot of the symptoms of, B, of BPD are like, you'll say something that's not offensive and this person will fly off the chain. So there's a strong sense of like, we're normal and we decide what's offensive. And if you don't fit into that normalness, you've got the disorder. Right, but there's a huge fight going on right now culturally on what is offensive. Exactly. Yeah. And this terrifies me to have this Bible be like, hey, we all agree on this thing. And this is, I think this is well, what I think mental people, health I is. think people like Jordan Peterson would, would argue that certain people that he's gone and had conversations with were histrionic in mm-hmm. the moment. You know, And he even talks, what does he say? He says they're fighting, they're fighting an idea of me and not me. Right. So like, I think that if he gets to decide what's warrants offense, he's going to yes. diagnose a lot of people. Yeah. And then if somebody who's more has a philosophy that differs from Jordan Peterson, they're going to say, no, you're just being offensive. Yes. So these are completely reasonable responses. Exactly. And this is, I think, the fundamental problem is it's just they write the Bible mm-hmm. and decide what is normal and then classify everything outside of that as not. Well, now, I happen to fit in the normal thing, so this this works for me, because if I was to encounter someone with PPD, I would think they were very sensitive and and crazy. You well, know? You, know, you know some people are saying that there's, it's harder to diagnose narcissism now because with social <laughs> media. And, like, the old definition doesn't work. <laughs> the the yeah. average has moved yes. in terms of, oh, is obsessed with image and projecting this. Yeah. And it's just like, I mean, if you're taking, if you're sharing stories of your lunch, mm-hmm. that used to be considered crazy. Yes. And now it's, normal mm-hmm. and so the the behave like the narcissism hasn't changed but the behaviors that indicate it they're they're not the same as they were 20 years ago because of well, what's considered normal today would have been considered narcissistic 20 years ago well it's interesting you said narcissism hasn't changed what do you mean by that there are people who compared to the average person will have stronger narcissistic traits Mm-hmm. but the average has shifted. Yes, so in order for moved, you to be abnormally yeah. narcissistic today, you have to have a different set of traits than 20 years ago because the the baseline normal narcissism has shifted, basically. Yes, and I see this in action when, and the, the big thing is like, I'm okay with these diagnoses. I'm okay with these as useful tools, but please don't trick yourself that this is the Bible. And when the DSM gets whipped out, And there was one moment where she's describing the DSM and she says, according to the DSM, which is like the Bible, trauma can occur in these ways. You can have a really violent thing. And recently in the new DSM, if someone close to you has something bad happen to them, that path the threshold, that can qualify as trauma. It's like, okay, so now we've let you decide what qualifies as trauma, which seems to completely miss the boat, in my opinion, which is trauma is totally about the interpretation of an event. Yeah. Has nothing to, I mean, while it is, you know, more likely to occur in a war zone scenario, like, it's totally about how the person receives it. Well, yeah, certainly there are, I'm not uh, <clears throat> a therapist or a 
psychiatrist or anything like that, but there there are people who will say that it's the the shame of the event is a big part of the trauma, and that's why in cultures where it was totally normal for people who are well below 18 to be mm-hmm. quote-unquote groomed in like ancient Greece or Rome by someone of the same sex, there wasn't psychological damage being done because it was culturally accepted. Now, you could argue that that's not true and everyone was just being traumatized. This isn't this isn't gospel. It's just a argument that some people mm-hmm. posit, basically. And yeah, and, and the, I don't know in which DSM, but, you know, sexual abuse is now included in things that can create trauma. And I'm, there's, I'm sure a time when it wasn't. There was a time when PTSD didn't exist, you know, mm-hmm. and we didn't recognize trauma at all. So to call this so obviously human evolving understanding of uh, what occurs within people. Well, the, maybe what she meant. Bible. Maybe what she meant was it's a series of allegories put together <laughs> by man that has no divine. And touch. should it be taken literally? Yeah, maybe that's maybe what she that's meant. What maybe she she's meant. an atheist. <laughs> so this is the Bible. It's a good. It's, it's a, a good reference. Like, Humans yeah. wrote it. It's got some mistakes. It's going to be outdated. The you don't like the yeah. slavery stuff. Don't touch it. Yeah, yeah maybe she was just a, maybe she's a hardcore atheist. <laughs> yes, maybe that is what she meant. Yeah. Uh, Fair point. <laughs> no, but I, I was struck by that as I was listening to it. And I um another thing that I thought, and I can talk to the specifics of Amber Heard, which are interesting, but just at meta level, um, it, it seems to me that narcissist, nar- the things that are described as MPD, the s- things that are described as BPD or histrionic personality disorder, very much all occur on a spectrum. Mm-hmm. We all have these elements, this fear of abandonment that makes us react in oversensitive ways at time. Mm-hmm. And it seems, and I think that while she would acknowledge this, it seems for the lay person a little bit too safe to think that person has BPD, yep. that person has NPD, and then there's me who just posts a normal amount on Instagram for attention yeah, and yeah, only yeah. gets mildly upset when my when my partner says I can't do this right now and leaves. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like it's um, I think it, it's just much more useful, and also it. it I, I want to try not to do this if I haven't passed videos. I, I regret it. Um, just just having this other section of humans, the, the narcissists, you know, and I, I understand that the, the pressures that are on me is I'm trying to come up with a title that connects with the understanding yep. that people have, and I've got eight to ten minutes to talk about this thing. No, but, that uh, was something I realized with the sociopath video that I think I did say. Was sociopath, this is, yeah. This is a spectrum. Mm-hmm. Like, you read it, and you just go, some, everybody has some of this. Mm-hmm. And so I think, to you know, when you have a, when you have more antisocial traits than others after a tipping point you get diagnosed Mm -hmm. but it's not that all sociopaths have all antisocial personality disorder traits Mm -hmm. and if you are not a sociopath you have none yeah that's just absolutely not how it works you read through them you 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 say everyone is going to have something that checks a box here so the diagnosis is basically just saying you have a lot of these Mm -hmm. and it's also kind of like it's going to be, these are going to be rich people diseases because rich people will only be the ones that ever have the mental health professionals to diagnose them. And so, you know, so it, there's just a lot of... Uh, well, yeah, you're, I mean, I'll kind of try to paraphrase what you're saying, which is not that rich people get it, but that you won't know, which is my my hypothesis on why autism and Asperger's is on the rise. Some people say it's because of diet. I think it's because you didn't, you didn't diagnose people before. Mm-hmm. And so we're just more aware. And in the past, you just said, oh, that person's just not neurotypical, except you said it probably more with a slur yeah. <laughs> or something mean. But I don't, I don't think it's that, oh, we're eating worse and autism's up. It's just, mm-hmm. yeah, we didn't, we didn't know what this was. Certainly Asperger's, I remember growing up. Yeah. You, you never... They just went, that person's strange. That yes, per, you know exactly. What I mean? like, so, it's, so, yeah, it's kind of like the, the are, is COVID rising or are COVID testing, tests yeah. rising mm-hmm. thing 
occurring in the mental health world as well. Yeah. And another thought that I had while I was doing it is we've got, you know, there's bipolar, there's also histrionic, which is very close to bipolar. And then closely and in the same cluster as narcissist. And then you've got the antisocials. It's like, yeah. this kind of seems like trying, I don't, I don't have the perfect analogy, but it's trying to describe a tree by like the different shaped leaves that it yeah. has. And it's like, yo, there's, there's a commonality to all of these. And my, and I think this is a hypothesis more than fact, but it's childhood experiences of what normal relationships require and are in adaptations. And like a much more useful way, rather than talking about the fruits of this is just to be like, what did this person experience when they were small and what sense did they make of it? Well, sometimes you're born with it. Sure, and sometimes you're born with it. Like with, uh, some psychopaths are genetic. Yes, I'm some talking about them. more personality disorders. Yeah, um, it seems like a much yeah, more that's, useful. Well, that's antisocial personality disorder. Is is sociopath and psychopath? Oh, it is. Yes. So it's confusing. They both got bucketed as antisocial personality disorder now, but psychopaths are and again these thought are, to be genetic. <laughs> these categorizations change every ten years. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, sorry. No. So and at some point, they might even be considered offensive terms. Like you, it might be to call someone a psychopath may be considered. Uh, that's a guarantee rude that is a guarantee because i see i see in the when i was making the video i see the literature is pushing more towards you should say the antisocial part not they're not yet at the point where it's bad to say psychopath or sociopath mm -hmm. but you kind of see that that is where it's going but yeah it only the thought is only one of them is caused by trauma the other one is just genetic yeah it's funny we, we start with these clinical words of course lay people pick them up and use them to describe people that don't fall under that definition so it becomes a mean thing to say to someone yeah then now it's a slur to call someone so we get a new word and the process starts anew yeah, yeah without recognizing become... the core of this is that people will insult one another yeah. <laughs> with whatever they have available to them i did have a question randoms because i you watch this this stuff amber heard or, or anyone else and you go this is wild behavior that you would never put up with when you get if you just teleported into the end state of some of these abusive relationships, you go, how did, of course, someone would leave when someone was this abusive or violent mm -hmm. or even just histrionic or unpredictable. Is there a phase where people with BPD, let's say, or histrionic disorder are in a relationship and they hide it and then they expose it over time or just suddenly at five years in, they just go, surprise? Or is it day one, really, this only happens if you ignore the red flags? I, th I think probably the answer Because, like, is, if day one she was throwing bottles of glass yeah, yeah. at someone, no one would date her, right? You, no matter who she was, just starts with smashing wine bottles on you and cutting your fingers off, everyone's out. So I, always, I wonder, like, how does this happen? Do you boil the frog? Do you search for personalities that don't run from this behavior? I think the answer is, is like, don't if we don't consider BPD and NPD different types of humans, we have our answer, which is everybody puts their best foot forward at the beginning of a relationship, pretends to be more amenable than they are, mm -hmm. downplays the needs that they need met by the other person, and then as the relationship goes, they they start with, oh, I don't need you to meet any of my needs. And then as the relationship goes, they don't stop it. Like, this is a healthy amount of needs for us. They, they flip and mm -hmm. become, I, and I think this was this is where how, if I make a video, it needs to end, which is, this, the she says a, a very um, insightful line about, something about, um, looking for caretaker, looking for mommy, daddy. And, and it's, I, I do believe it is trying to, not trying. Your brain gets stuck in an, in an emotional state that it, that it experienced a long time ago. Mm -hmm. And it recreates those situations and tries to get what it needed back then in situations where Johnny is not your dad. And I looked into a little bit about her past. Her dad, according to her, was abusive, mm -hmm. was an alcoholic. Um, and this may or may not be true, but somebody dug in. So this is hearsay. 
uh, was locked up for running an illegal dogfighting ring, is like, when heard about Johnny Depp, said he was going to kill him. It's like, a, you know, a violent person. And she's got all these, you don't fight for me. You don't this. Yeah, she, yeah. She's got this terror of being abandoned and a preference for violence over abandonment, mm-hmm. it, it appears. Um, I forget where I, I Well, wait, sorry, but you're but, saying the first year of dating <laughs> that's Amber Heard, you think looks like dating anybody else. I think it's, yeah, I think it's as different. Your first date, I think anybody who is married will, will tell you that the way that people often present themselves, mm-hmm. and I would say the more traumatized you are, the bigger the gap between the way that you present yourself on day one and who you wind up being at year five. Sure. Uh, and the, the the more you've handled your issues, the closer day one you is to, <laughs> is to year five you. Um in terms of expectations and, and, and all of that stuff. So, yeah, so I, I do think that there's probably a big switch, but she was described by the psychologist as very likable, very charming, and she also tipped the test off <laughs> to, like, this is an act. And she describes, again, these are very subjective, but, like, a shallowness of her emotions. Like, there was a sense that when she was talking about the trauma of Donnie, Johnny Depp, so she was asked, does she have PTSD? And she said no, because this, the sense that she got from the test and from her description is that she was putting on a shallow interpretation of post-traumatic stress disorder from the abuse that she alleges happened that I think in this psychologist, psychiatrist's mind never happened. I don't know. I think she's a psychologist, not a psychiatrist. She might be both. Um, so yeah, I think that there's, I think there's a big gulf <laughs> between, I think yeah, people yeah. know she's an actress and she's very, very pretty, you know? So she's, I think makes a fantastic impression probably. For quite some time. Yeah, I'd be curious to know when it slipped. Yeah. Um, another thing that I did think, <laughs> and this is not to diagnose him, um, but one of the things while she was describing histrionic personality disorder is people who, when you ask them a question, give long answers, use a lot of flowery language, and at the end, you're left going, what was said? I was like, yo, that describes Johnny Depp's testimony to a <laughs> fucking T. And I'm not saying he's got histrionic personality disorder, and I know he's the internet's darling right now, but holy cow, either superstardom or something in his life. Or a lifetime of drug use. Or drug use. Yeah, sure. Made him think that when somebody asks you a question, you can talk about anything and everything. That yeah, you yeah. Feel. Like, he is, and people are ragging on the lawyer because they like Johnny, but I think if they watch, I've watched hours and hours of this, You, it is difficult to yeah. watch him not answer the question and instead talk about well, he, all sorts of other stuff. Unquestioned. And use very flowery language a, and not say a ton. Was a drug addict, right? Yes, so yes, that's his, undeniable. His mind just might not be as sharp as it once was or could have been, mm-hmm. you know? Like, I think that's the other thing with a lot of this stuff is it, could this be because he's histrionic? Could this be because you're a sociopath? Like, sure, but they also could just be for any number of reasons. Like, people think John Jones is a sociopath or a psychopath, and that could totally be true. Yeah. He also got punched in the head a ton, and he might yeah, have yeah. brain damage that makes it impossible for him to make good decisions good long-term decisions. And that's another option, you know? So it's just always like, well, what, yeah, what is this? Why does he give these answers? And maybe, maybe it's histrionic, but it it could just be. And if you don't believe a lifetime of drug use, you don't believe in free will. What's the difference? (laughs) He can't help it either way. But anyway, so a couple of things that I just are interesting about it are, um, I don't know if you remember, I dressed up as Jack Sparrow for many years for Halloween. I really, I wanted to be Johnny Depp and it wasn't because I knew anything about his life. It was because the girl that I liked, Liked him. Yeah, he's cool and handsome. He's cool and handsome. And, the, like, the girls, for whatever reason, that I was attracted to always thought, and it was the time where Pirates was out, and mm-hmm. 
liked him. And I, I just thought if I was, if I had that, if I was what's eating Gilbert Grape, if I was that guy, and it is a, just a repeated thing we've said many times on the podcast. Man, oh man, uh, the things that you think you want. Be careful what you wish for. Be grateful for what you have. Paul Bettany as well, you know, connected with Johnny Depp over a number of things, some of which included pretty hardcore drug use. Yeah, yeah, surprising. <laughs> um, Such a charming accent. Who would have thought? Yeah. Uh, you know, Amber Heard, beautiful Hollywood starlet, j- dating Johnny Depp. has got everything in the world. Whatever you think about her uh, is clearly very unhappy on on the inside. Mm-hmm. Um and just to, I don't know how many times I'm going to see this and just, I, I'm starting to get it actually, increasingly. It really is something I don't have to affirm as often to myself to feel these days, which yep. is the stuff that we, the lies we collectively tell about what a good life is on Instagram and what makes happiness uh, is just so untrue. So, so not conducive to happiness. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that was interesting. And... I mentioned the Bible stuff. Yeah, that that was some of the stuff. And I'm thinking about potentially doing a video or maybe making you do a video <laughs> even better. No, on, no. Uh, no. I really think no. this is a new, this seems up your alley. Bro, I can, I'm going to lay it out on a silver platter, to be fair. like Yeah, I want you to then eat that silver platter. <laughs> I want you to take that silver platter that you lay out and then eat it up. I'm going to... I do... Listen, I do our straight down the fairway videos. Yeah. How to command respect, how to be confident, how to be charismatic. <laughs> you do our emotional mastery videos. Yeah. Borderline personality, toxic relationships. It's about growth, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> so so we'll see if that comes out. If this first I'm releasing. Well, you're doing a video, a video on toxic relationships with yes. Will and Jada and Johnny Depp and Amber. Started Hurt. being intended to be Will and Jada, then this Amber thing happened, and I actually wound up grabbing more from last week's trial. Unfortunately, these videos take a week, so none of this can be in what comes out next Monday, but that's that's coming out, and if it does well, I'll do a, I'll think about doing another. So if you want a video on borderline personality disorder from Charlie, you have to go watch the video that comes out. <laughs> it'll be a week from when this launches? No, it'll be days from when this launches. It'll be... Oh, you're doing two weeks in a row. Oh, it's coming out on Monday. Got it. So it'll come out, so the Monday yeah, after yeah. this podcast launches. Yeah. Get there. Watch the video. Force Charlie to do another. <laughs> Tell your friends. Tell your friends. So... Call your mom. One other thing that I had written was mm-hmm. unrelated to the, all of this, that uh, Ethan Klein has been canceled for the eighth time. He's the H3 guy. He allegedly, I don't know if it's because it's, it's what he said, that he lost all of his sponsors after... Uh, what did f- he do? He was making, like, butt sex jokes about poop falling out and that kind of stuff and, you know, power bottoms and tops and stereotypical jokes that you would hear about that sort of thing. And a gay guy called in, was pretty friendly. It was like, I think that you're, you know, missing it. And Ethan continued to be uh, sort of like this, the way that he was in 2017, which was which was uh, joking about it, but yeah. also like a jokes that might upset people, but, mm-hmm. but jokes nonetheless. Mm-hmm. And uh, his audience got really upset with him. And that's what happens when you cultivate that audience. Reap what you sow. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, and there goes your sponsors. I don't really have much of a take on it other than that's Well, like- the mo- I think the interesting take is potentially that Ethan used to do comedy. Yes. And then, what's it called when you start chasing views because you have some success on a certain topic? That's fine. Okay, sure. <laughs> There's a term for it. I don't remember it. Audience capture? Who knows? Yeah. I've been punched in the head. We'll chalk <laughs> this up to that. So, 
then he starts making more of that content because it did well. He starts chasing those views that come from canceling people, kind of leaning into the the cancel culture of that you're not allowed to say that joke, what you're saying is offensive, whatever it is, builds an audience that likes that content. And then what do you know? His audience cancels him because you've purposefully cultivated an audience that likes canceling people. Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, took, took the Jordan Peterson thing, thing off, not because anything that Jordan Peterson said to him on the podcast, but because Jordan Peterson as a human was so abhorrent that no one should watch him not say abhorrent. Well, things. sorry, but I think that I think the takeaway is to be careful. Like when you're building something, think, who am I going to interact with because of this? Like we changed our whole business because mm-hmm. of this. Like who are your clients going to be? Are those clients that you want to work with? Who is your audience if you're making content? Are these people that you want to be interacting with and living with and having in your world, you know? Uh, I think that that's something people often don't think about. And then this happens and you go, yeah, you would have been better off just being funny the whole time. Yeah. Instead of going into this <clears throat> other toxic industry. And and I think it's, um, we've talked a little bit about cancel culture. And I think what I said then, I was like, Dude, how do I feel about all this? Because I could imagine just like swap out that he said, things that I would go, wow, that's like crazy. And like, I no longer want to listen to or pay or Mm -hmm. support this thing. And even it wouldn't actually, can you imagine being an activist about that though? Like, is that something that would, you would do in your life is this person is really bad. I'm going to be active about telling other people not to do it. I'm going to go reach out to their sources of income and try to shut them down. Is that something that exists in like, could someone say, something i mean it hasn't happened yet i also just don't know i don't know that's not the way that i try to make change in the world or impact the world should anyone try to make change in that way irrespective of what it is let's let's pick the most horrible thing that is within the bounds of the law yeah sure why not i mean if you you see someone running for senator you followed them when they were small. No one knows this for some reason because no one's digging into the history, but you know that this person is awful and has uh, done but a But not bunch illegally of, awful, just awful. Yeah, yeah, but just just awful in a way where if everyone knew what they had done in the past, no one would vote them into office as senator. And so you decide to make effort to spread awareness about mm-hmm. his past or her past. Seems fine. Yeah. I don't I, mind that, I, I that sort version of, of making change. And so where I where I land is it's not it's not that canceling is horrible it's the range and the uh, glee <laughs> that that you approach canceling with and the like are you sure that this is what you want to shut someone's life down for yeah is is I guess the question and for me that is a so far, zero, like you said, but very, very narrow range of things. Well, I actually, yeah, I don't mind it. I also think people are allowed to change. So it depends what that mm-hmm. senator's doing, right? If they're murdering and eating babies to keep them young, like Illuminati style, then sure, we never forgive that. But they made a joke 10 years ago, and today it's inappropriate. And even back then, maybe it's inappropriate. And you bring it to the to them, and they go, yeah, that was I shouldn't have said that. I made a mistake 10 years ago. It's a shame. It's not a joke I'd make today. Don't we want to allow for growth? That's the that's the part about canceling that I think gets confused sometimes. I guess the weird thing is that because like so this person uh, 
like we all have, like has been, let's just say mean to people in the past. And those people just grew apart. They never apologized privately or publicly. They just like moved on. They never had their comeuppance for that. I think everybody's probably got something in their life that could fall into that category. Is it appropriate then to go like, now you need to have some public show that, 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 an apology for this? Because certainly as private citizens, I don't think that's something that most people hold themselves to. Like very few people go through the Alcoholics Anonymous 12 steps and like, right every wrong they've what? ever done but i think most people don't i mean it depends people get canceled for a while by different stuff let's start there some people are serial yeah. rapists and some <laughs> people made a joke nine years ago on twitter those are not the same but i think for a lot of people like kevin hart when he when he got brought to hey you you made this joke about breaking a dollhouse over your kid's head he went yeah i shouldn't have said that that's a bad joke and i'm sorry and that didn't end it which i thought was interesting mm-hmm. because i think that's how you want that to go. Mm-hmm. It's like, you shouldn't have said this. That's true. Nine years ago, I said that and not, it wasn't tasteful then. Certainly not tasteful today. Mm-hmm. And I don't have a time machine, but if I did, I would not have said that. And yeah. I'm sorry I said it. It's like, it, what? That seems like it. It's like, done. <laughs> no, it's Stop going for his throat. He has done exactly what you'd hope, which is disowned the behavior, publicly said people shouldn't do this, mm-hmm. but he still couldn't host the award show, which I thought was strange. And it's because he apologized then he apologized again. <laughs> the problem with Twitter, there's billions of people on the planet. And so just someone new latches onto a thing you've already apologized yeah. for. They don't know you've apologized. And his thing was, how do I just, like, <laughs> you gotta go I've said it twice. <laughs> I said it twice. Yeah, yeah. Like, just go find me addressing this. So that was where his frustration came from. I wasn't trying to own the quote, but it was just saying, I've already addressed this twice. You're just the third person who found this without recognizing we've done this cycle before. Yeah. And so, yeah, that, I don't know. I, I do think you just have to allow for people to say that was a, Joke and bad taste. Even if Ethan got canceled. Ethan did this. So to be clear, I want to like, say this. So Ethan, Ethan then after, and this, so this is the next step is that people freak out. They take his sponsors. He doesn't like it. He then gets on Twitter, says, hey, I'm sorry. I'm learning, trying to unlearn things. I'll try to be better. You guys know I mean well. And then the response to that is you're only saying this because you got shut down, which is, I think how like 95% of socialization occurs, if not more, which is like, it doesn't often occur from a immediate internal sense of like, oh, I sense the wrongness in this. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, my mom yelled at me when I didn't share the toy. I don't see why I have to, but I know that I get yelled at when I do that. Mm-hmm. So this idea that you're only doing it because of punishment is like, how the fuck else are we <laughs> are we well, socializing? Yeah, and also one look another? at his future behavior. If he never makes a joke like that again, and obviously the you know, he's made a behavior change, mm-hmm. whether he agrees with your your rules or not on what's good humor. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what you were going for. Mm-hmm. Now, if he goes right back to doing it again, then then obviously, yeah, it was just to save face and he didn't mean it. Hey, you know, what's interesting is that I, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that psychologically, I don't think they're going for behavior change. I think they're going mm-hmm. to root out. I think they're projecting the evil that they feel inside of themselves into other people and then fixing it in them and going, no, that is an evil person that can, you know, cannot be redeemed except by like Herculean measures. It's not enough to simply say sorry. Yeah, that's what I was saying with the Kevin Hart thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like clearly they they thought there was, he owed more than multiple public apologies. Yes, because he's still bad. Because he doesn't mean it because he's only saying it because yeah. he has, which is like, it seems like. Uh, well, you couldn't find a more recent joke. Let's put it that way. They couldn't find 10 tweets about it. Yeah. And it was all about the one. Yeah. Anyways. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Elon Musk bought Twitter. <laughs> Let's break that news here. <laughs> Big news. Well, this is all I wanted to say. Literally all I wanted to say. Get ready for Trump, everybody. Mm-hmm. Trump went away because you couldn't hear from him. He was publishing stuff on his own website. No one was really taking it and going viral with it. Yeah. Well, he's going to be back because Elon loves free speech. I'm and already getting ready. There's no, you know what I mean? Like that, that was my big takeaway. I saw Elon buys, buys Twitter and I go, all right, get ready for daily Trump headlines again. Yeah, man. CNN's going to jump all over it once he's on Twitter. All the people that say that they're happy he's gone are going to froth at the mouth to get the clicks and the views mm-hmm. talking about him. Yeah. And they will help his presidential campaign by doing so, even though they quote unquote hate him. I think he can't win though. Because um, again, uh, this is very anecdotal. So he lost the first one. And I think that there's probably... Against Hillary Clinton? No, against Biden. Got it. So he lost the second one. Yes. Sorry. And uh, I think the people that hate him still hate him with a burning passion. Like, my mom has been reading articles again now that he's starting, now that, you know, the... But the people love him so welcome. And man, I'm already... But here's what's happened with me is I went from, like, I'm not going to vote, I don't... You know, for all the reasons that I've discussed in the past, too in order to not have to listen to you talk about him. (laughs) I've preferred my life under Biden, not for any policies, but for the reduction of inflammation amongst my neighbors. You know, like the, uh, that has been, I think the greatest thing of Joe Biden is that we cannot all scream about Donald Trump destroying the world for me personally. (laughs) So so I, I don't know how many people there are like me, but... You know. still won't vote, though. I still won't vote. Yeah, so it doesn't California. matter. I mean, I'm pretty sure that... <laughs> you wouldn't vote anywhere, though. Um, If I lived in Florida... You never have. If I lived in Florida, I've never... I mean, so I, I've, I've lived in Washington, D.C. Yeah. That was pretty close. <laughs> I've lived in California and Brazil. Interesting. So, like... And Nevada. In Nevada. And in that particular one, I didn't have a strong opinion. But I, if I had a strong opinion in a state that I think that came down to 10,000 votes, yeah. I, I could... That was Trump, Hillary, round one. We were in Nevada. Mm-hmm. Yes. 
Well, yeah, that's my only takeaway. He's going to be back. He's going to be in every headline. The news is going to eat it up. They say that they're happy he's gone, and they're going to throw him in your face over and over for money. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's going to be the biggest difference between Elon owning Twitter, I think. Also interesting, just similar vein, Ukraine, how, how all over TikTok and Instagram it was, how people were sharing photos of kids with numbers on their back because mm-hmm. their moms might die. And, and it was just everyone, everyone cared so much, and it was such a tragedy. And it's still happening. Mm-hmm. And no one is talking about it yeah. anymore because Amber Heard and Johnny Depp are on trial now. It's just interesting. Like this war in Ukraine will so long outlast the majority of people's public outrage or even awareness about yeah. what's happening. Like, do people know what's happened in the last week in that war that they cared so much about two or three weeks ago? That would be fascinating. It was so important. This is a chart which, which tracks, you know, Instagram posts uh, over time. Uh, and on the same chart, a line chart of civilian casualties or war crimes. How about police shootings? Or do, yeah, we, yeah. do we think there's been a dramatic <laughs> decrease in police shootings? Because I see it a lot less. I see I people talking about it a lot less. That would be a really uh, wonderful chart to have, which is just like, you know, Instagram posts or, or take your, your social media metric and, and a conglomerate, um, an amalgamation of those, and then incidences. <laughs> yeah. And just watch how they're not related, how how frothing the reaction to things is ir- almost irrespective of, of what is going on in the world with like very little oh, like oh ukraine started now it's both high and then yeah. you know this dips yeah, it's just fascinating like if you cared enough to share stories about ukrainian children last week share them this week and the next week and the next week and the next week because it's kind of like the tragedies are occurring in a steady state yes but i think what's obvious is that it is a knee-jerk reaction and i think some of it is is uh certainly virtue signaling and some of it is genuine emotional pathos for people well, that, so that's that's the interesting part to me is it's either i care too don't ostracize me from the tribe or think i'm a bad person in which case it's it's completely hollow or it's i really do care in which case you, your what you care about is completely dictated by things outside your control that have nothing to do with what's happening in the world and that's a terrible system for deciding what you care about i think that's more true than the virtue signaling honestly i think the virtue signaling plays a role but i think more true is i, I think that people actually did most people went oh man that sucks and they you know did like they had a feeling about yep. it and that feeling like you said is completely outside of their control over what they focus well on. it was happening before the the war in ukraine yeah. in other locations it's happening in that location now i just think it's interesting like if you're someone who got fired up about this stuff and now you're not just to consider what is like where have you outsourced your locus of care i think yeah yeah that, that you it's it's like you get total freedom over what you think and we get total control over what to direct your attention towards mm-hmm. which is to say you have no freedom at all yeah yeah <laughs> like you will predictably think feel uh and not we there's not i don't think there's a secret cabal we're all like doing it to one another no no i just thought it'd be i mean honestly just raised it more for if people are listening to and and they go oh, wow shit that is true of me and perhaps change how they inform themselves about the world yeah, I'll tell you one thing that is sort of related to that comes up is that as I'm making these videos and as we think about titles, I have to be aware of public sentiment. Mm-hmm. So like when the Will Smith thing happens, I have to be in tune with the fact that people are angry at Will and even angrier at Jada. Yeah, you'd hate to be the guy that four weeks earlier made a video about how Will Smith was charismatic, huh? <laughs> that guy like looks like that, an idiot. That guy looks <laughs> like a dumbass right mm-hmm. now. Ugh. 
was me. Would do such a thing. <laughs> it was me all along. Yeah, and so so you have to be in tune with that, or else it's just like your work goes down the drain. So you I have didn't know to... he was going to slap Chris Rock. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> sorry. Well, even then, he he wasn't. Um, we were not in tune with the fact that people just weren't as interested in Will Smith. You know, yeah. As a positive figure, right now, Johnny Depp is the most wonderful thing in the world. So you have to be aware of what people think, but it's tough to not get caught up in that. So I'm I've been resisting the urge to. Uh, you're good at that, though. You came in early, and you're saying, I don't, I'm going to make this video, but I don't know what Johnny Depp did yet. I only know what I Amber Heard did. I still don't know if Johnny Depp abused Amber Heard. That's what I'm saying. Fair. You're good at that. I think mm-hmm. you're good at keeping a level head. It is a constant reminder that I have. It's like an yeah. alarm that I set every hour, which is like, don't believe all the titles that you read. And like when you watch these videos of like Johnny Depp shuts down the thing, remember all the thoughts that you originally had about how annoying he was with his not answering the question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, um, so yeah, you just do well. You've set up good mental systems for it. I'm sure that they're, I, I know they are. Like it's, and it's also, it's very easy for me. Like as soon as, for instance, I watched this psychologist speak on Amber Heard and I started to form my own opinion of like, actually she does sound deeply borderline. Like, and my suspicions are confirmed. It's like a relief to go, oh my gosh, I'm on side of like the mainstream, which mm. means I can make a video that mm. like coincides with the mainstream thing, which is critical of her. And it's easy to lean into that, and I still have to resist that urge to uh, to do that. Just just a, a thing that I notice as I have to go through yeah. this process, and I'm sure I'm not perfect. I did it. My regret is with Brie Larson. I was too, I was wasn't horrible to her like everybody else's, but I was not kind as as uh, neutral or kind as I wish I could have been. Yeah, that's interesting because you were still. I thought. You did address it. You said that this doesn't, mm-hmm. this is about the behavior we're about to watch. This says nothing of Brie. Mm-hmm. I could easily show you clips where she was charismatic. So you did do it. Just you wish you'd done it more. Mm-hmm. Yes. Anything else? Yeah, I got two things. The one I, I wasn't going to bring this up actually, but I'm doing a video on Tommy Shelby. And we've talked about this off air, but it's interesting because you're talking about what, like, what we do videos on and what people like and who people admire. It's very fascinating in fiction. People really love traumatized, quiet men that are would be incredibly dislikable in a lot of ways in person. Because I was talking to a, a writing assistant today about Tommy Shelby, and she's like, oh, yeah, he never asks questions. I think that's how he commands respect. He just tells people. He goes up to a bar. He says, whiskey, chugs it. Give me another. Doesn't say please. Doesn't ask. Goes, that guy is an asshole. I'm not saying Tommy Shelby is, but if you went to a bar, someone walked up to a bartender, and did that, you go, hey, that's a person. You should say please. You wouldn't yeah. respect them for being rude to the server. But it's interesting in the fictionalized world, you just fall into this is the person the camera's following. Everything they do is great. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to like anchor yourself. Or I see in writing research assistants and writing assistants, like it's hard to anchor yourself in what's real and what actually ports to the real world and what only works because it's TV. And we see this criticism in the comments of like, oh, this is scripted. And we try very hard to anchor to reality. But I notice that when other people are writing for us, often they just get in the habit of, oh, that's a pattern he has. It must be good. And it's like, no, this is a guy with PTSD from World War One who's a murderer. <laughs> like, not, a lot of what he does is shitty. And we talked about that with Don Draper too. Don Draper is that same stoic, traumatized person yeah. that for some reason we love. Walter White, same thing. Well, I think you can, in that particular example, which Tommy Shelby probably has a lot of where he's like not interested in connecting with people. Um, I think it has not an effect people want to emulate, but it probably has an effect of potentially making him seem more powerful. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like he just, he does not schmooze. (laughs) You know, he just like, he either 
But so, so a lot of what, so, and everything I put in the video is going to be something that works for everyone. Yeah. Some of what he does works because he controls a giant military force. Sure. And, and that's it's, it. It's important to know the difference yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you're going to try to emulate someone. It's like, yeah. this works because everyone should do this. Speaking, being calm in a situation where other people would be nervous. Being calm in the face of the potential for violence. Like, you don't want to seek out violence, but you're in a bar and someone's screaming at you and you remain calm and you can crack a joke. It's like, yeah, that's going to be charming regardless and it makes you look confident regardless. I'm going to try to do that. But not just going, oh, people like this guy. I'm going to emulate everything yeah, he yeah. does. Because some of it only works because it's scripted, and some of it would work in real life if you had a gun. <laughs> it's like it's just interesting. We we like these traumatized s- men. Yeah, traumatized it, men do in really suits. Traumatized men in suits. Yeah, James Bond too. Yeah, we, people- he's not in a suit. Like subtract twenty five percent of the views. He's in a suit. <laughs> now you've got James Bond, Don Draper, Tommy Shelby. Those are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, why do you think that is? Why do you think that there is such a draw for the fictionalized, traumatized, stoic man? I think because trauma allows. Whoops! Scared. That's literally scared the fucking heebie-jeebies out of me. <laughs> Get ready! <laughs> the greatest answer of Charlie's life. Um, I think because one of the uh, re- the real life outcomes of trauma, just played up in fiction, is the lack of emotional reactivity. Is just mm-hmm. the stone-faced approach to the world. The lack of sensitivity to the world which is a miserable way to live. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like nothing affects you. And it's like Don Draper, like he's not, doesn't really love his wife, doesn't love the women that he sleeps with. Like he's, but, but what people see is that like he's unaffected by the world. That's so admirable. I wish I was unaffected well, by the world. So, and that's kind of what I was saying is it's, the interesting thing is that it indicates that a lot of men feel like they're overreactive or wish that they, reacted less and cared less yes i think because they admire that because they wish they had it like they're living their life getting rejected and it hurts mm-hmm. and they hate that or someone says something mean and they get upset and they show the world that they care yeah and and they hate that you know and i think that's why they are drawn to this is they're they're wishing that they were more that they didn't react so much to yeah. stuff well i think there's a couple things like i think men generally are much more sensitive than they wish they were mm-hmm. or, and that also we've talked about this, like if you divide the fight or flight responses up into freeze, fight, flight, um, every, but, every man, I think, wishes they were fight. You know, they wishes that they wish that when the adrenaline got pumping, they started throwing and they just couldn't control themselves. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, yeah. I certainly felt that way about myself when I was little. And I was always jealous of friends that when they got startled, got violent. <laughs> I, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I wish I had that. You're, you're raised to think that that's admirable. Yeah. And I'm, I think I'm a freeze. If I look at my scenarios in my life. Yeah. When I've had guns, I had a gun on me. I was in a car accident. I was just like, yeah, I'm a freezer. <laughs> I've, I've been sucker punched. I've had guns pulled on me and I just go, huh? Yeah. I don't even get an adrenal response. No, no. I, I just, just go. Hmm, yeah. It's a gun. <laughs> yeah. Look at that. Total, total like disconnection. Yeah. Um, and that's not the, I didn't deserve it by the way. I was just getting robbed. <laughs> it's not like I'd done anything. That's that's not the admirable response that you're taught to Cur- courage is fight in those panic situations. You know, that's what that's what we're told courage. Yes, is. which is funny because it's not courage. It's actually just an adrenal response. Mm-hmm. Like it's not necessarily that person's brave. It's that that's what yeah. they do when they're scared. Yeah. I've I've thought of this, which is, you know, we talk about like it's not what you do, it's when you do here and it's there's uh 
as much as I don't believe in free will, there's even less sense of control when you're in those adrenal responses. It really is like you're just watching a movie yeah. happen. Now, I do think that's not to say, if you run into a burning building or something, mm-hmm. that's to me is bravery because you don't have, you have the adrenal response, but you're not in like, you're not fighting the fire. You're going to save someone. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So it's yeah, yeah. less reactionary. But yeah, if someone punches you, you just never, punch never, them back. Never seen a fire. I'm sure I'd be panicked. Never seen a fire? Our building was on fire. Not like... I saw the raging fire down the street. Didn't occur to me to run in there. I think there's an adrenal response that is similar to violence in those situations. Um, but yeah, what else? I got one more. This is just, again, uh, often I just look in the world and then I see things and then I think, how does this how, how does this apply to me? So, Khloe Kardashian came out. I don't know how I found this. I was doing Tom Cruise research and I came upon this. She said, I have anxiety to post photos on Instagram. Even when I barely retouch them, I'm so afraid to post it because people are going to say that I retouched it. She's funny because she does Photoshop her photos <laughs> aggressively. Literally, she posted a photo of someone's daughter and her daughter and her daughter wasn't there. She put her daughter's face on another child. So like, <laughs> no, no. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. At Disney. What? They asked her why. She goes, I don't know. I don't know why I did that. that was, <laughs> she's, I don't know why I did that. That's my bad. What? So yeah, so like she gets anxious what? posting on social media. And and she's saying how it impacts her deeply and emotionally. And, and people criticize her for her body. And she hates it. She's talking about how this is like a major mental health issue for her. It's like, great. Don't edit your photos. Problem solved. Or stop posting photos. Problem solved. But it's but what's interesting to me is because I was also this week thinking and Jeez. kind of meditating on a Tim Ferriss quote that came from one of his guests, which was asking yourself, how am I complicit in creating the conditions I say I don't want? And that's actually independently had been something I've been just, I have a phone reminder set because I thought that was a really good question to ask yourself once a day. What's happening today that I don't want, that I wish weren't happening? How am I at least partially responsible for it? And then I saw this Khloe Kardashian thing and I go, this is wild because I could solve all your issues here if I just deleted your Instagram. You don't need any more money. You don't need any more fame. You're set for life. I just thought it was interesting. And I'm sure it's, it's, I'm sure there's a uh, seed of that in my own life and in every person here listening. So I just thought it'd be interesting to, to share and kind of ask the audience, you know, wow, the problems in your life, the, the conditions in your life, I don't even say problems that you say you don't want. How are you consciously or subconsciously actually creating? Mm-hmm. And for Chloe, it's, she just can't figure out that all of her sadness around Instagram would be solved by deleting the app. It's wild. Being I, present with the people around her. Bro, I, I, living in LA, I think it's over pronounced for what it is in the rest of the world, but I, I feel like it wouldn't actually solve, it would solve many people's problems. And for other people, it would force them to address their deeper issues, mm-hmm. but not just deleting Instagram, not archiving the photos, deleting them, unrecoverable. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like make it unrecoverable and then watch how your life transforms for her life would be great she already has more money than she could possibly need literally yeah. shut down the reality show yeah yeah delete instagram just live with your family who yeah. you allegedly love Text close friends who you, you love reach out to them your child yeah. who you love just just be around people that you love and be happy and if this you want is to, so easy yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can still use your camera to take photos yeah you know what i mean you can still use the, the camera roll and you can go through them don't share, share them but the yeah. person uh, you, you they have to be next to you <laughs> if they want to yeah, see yeah. them you can show them like the rest and of I, us. Had, I think yeah. all of us have yeah. this to some degree. And she's an extreme example, which is why I brought it up. But I think all of us have this thing of like something bugs you and it's completely in your control and it's kind of your fault. Yeah, well, we talked about this earlier and I'm forming this idea now, but it's, it is like I do think that narcissism 
has shifted to the right in terms of like the symptoms of it. We all, or almost all, display traits that would have been like classifiable and diagnosable many years ago. Mm -hmm. I don't know, 10, 20. And I'm trying to figure out if that's because the upbringings, it's almost like the upbringing creates a seed of it. And then the environment allows that seed to blossom or forces it to grow in a different direction. And man, like Instagram is really around, uh, allowed the seeds of narcissism to blossom. Oh, and TikTok. I'm so thankful we didn't have TikTok when I was growing. Dude, I'm sure I would have been doing stupid dances, trying desperately to get something to go viral so Mm -hmm. that the external world could validate me in a way that would never... It helped me. Well, I see, and I, <laughs> but I would be doing it. Yeah, I, I hear things, and I and I see it in myself. Like I, I can, I've seen different times in my life where the difference between living to do things, considering how they look mm-hmm. on, on Instagram, which was happening more when I was posting, and how different it is to not be like that. And then I hear stories like this, and I'm like, man, she's at another level where she's in this hall of mirrors that is almost impossible to ach- extract oneself from. Like, I don't think short of a trip to India and a 10-day silent retreat that she could slowly back herself out of this clusterfuck of media and Instagram yeah, shit yeah. that she's built for herself. She's it's it, she's just got to, like, it's got to be impossible for her to reach for at this point. Yeah, it's just interesting because, and I think this is this is often true, you know, part, like, it served a purpose for a period of time mm-hmm. she, when she maybe didn't have the money and notoriety, but it's just, you won. You have all the money in the world. You're the most famous people in the world. You don't have to subject yourself to this. Go figure out how to be happy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I just thought it was interesting and applicable. And I I have a literally a phone reminder that goes off once a day that asks that question. So I just thought it'd be cool to share. Cool. Is that it? That's it. Justin, what we got? The one question is I met this girl a year ago and we immediately became intimates but had to break things off uh three months in due to both of us moving. However, we now move back and after another three months, I've started seeing each other again in intimate hangouts. Mm. She asked me if we were exclusive and I avoided the topic because I wasn't sure yet. However, a month later, I asked her to be my girlfriend as my, as my feelings grew and we got closer. She said she wanted to but wasn't sure since we were both busy, but she would let me know after she thought about it. A week later, she didn't give me an answer but told me how much she appreciated me in her life. Now we go on dates and it's always great. However, when we're not together, she will text me maybe once every two weeks, or if I text her, she gives short replies and stops replying after a text or two. She always tells me how busy she is, and we see each other once a month max, even though we're not long distance. Like I said, the times we do hang out are amazing, but I find it strange we have so little communication outside of seeing each other here and there. Um, Is this normal, or is it weird that she's being distant? I've tried to offer FaceTime or Hangouts, but she insists she's busy and does seem quite interested otherwise. What do you think? Yeah, so I wouldn't... I'm not, there's no good or bad. This is not someone that wants to be your girlfriend. Yeah. She does not want you to be her boyfriend. You can take this relationship and love it. If I were you, I'd start seeing other people because I don't want to have my dating life restricted to seeing someone once a month. And because she explicitly denied your request to be exclusive. So I would just start seeing other people to have options because I know this is going to end and not not in the boyfriend-girlfriend way, likely, although maybe she'll change her feelings, if anything, potentially as you start seeing other people. Uh, but yeah, you can you can love this and love your time with this person and think this is great. This is what it is. And what it is not is boyfriend-girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she, she, uh, people that want to be in relationships or really want anything that is totally achievable, <laughs> go, they go get that thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
she doesn't want it as evidenced by the fact that she hasn't. And she makes time for something yeah. unless she's unless she is a resident working at a hospital. You were an investment hours banker sleeping under your desk, dude. You had a girlfriend. You saw her multiple times a week. I saw her every day. Actually, it's actually quite nice of her. She, I would pick her up at four a.m. She would go to sleep at a normal time. Mm-hmm. I would leave work. I'd pick her up at 4 a.m. She'd wake up. We'd cab to my house, and then we would sleep from 4 to 8. Mm. And then we would hang out in the morning as we got ready because she just wanted to see me. Now, I'm I'm not saying that that's... I'm not saying that's what this person should do or that that's the right amount. Maybe you can have a relationship and not see each other every day for sure. I'm just saying this once-a-month person who you asked to be your girlfriend and she said, nah, is not interested right now in being your girlfriend. And so if I were you, I would start dating other people because I wouldn't be happy. But if you're happy, you just want to live your life 29 days out of the month without any intimate interaction and then once a month have a date, then you're good. Then don't change anything. But yeah, this doesn't, this isn't, this is just the pattern that's going to repeat probably until you guys break up. Mm -hmm. Cool. Nice. Let's go to Patreon. What are we we talking about? We're going to talk about Better Call Saul's Charisma. Um, Okay. Don't know anything about it. (laughs) If there are any merits to being a pickup artist. And then getting back into dating after taking a hiatus. Lots of dating stuff. Dates, dates, All right. dates. Let's all right. hop in. If you guys want to check that out, any dollar amount gets the access to our Patreon, keeps the podcast going. It all goes to Justin, and we do, we need more patrons to, to do this because we're not making enough money on Patreon. <laughs> Justin needs you guys. So if you want to join, you get access to another, everything else we talk about, which you are normally runs about as long as a podcast. And you can check it all out on Patreon at any dollar amount. So we hope you guys decide to do that either way. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. Do it for the content and do it for Justin. Catch you later. Peace. mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.